Welcome to EQ Mind Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and I have some really exciting news. My book, The Mindful High Performer, is now available on Audible. Tap the link in the description to listen to small shifts you can make today to be a calmer, happier, more productive version of yourself. This week on our podcast, I speak to Olivia Carr, the founder and CEO of Silk, a philanthropist, a mother of two, and a social change maker, and ultimately, a true inspiration. Today's episode is about from near homelessness to CEO of a business, the steps Olivia took to build her confidence and back herself, tips for you on how to reduce fear and self-doubt, how to rid yourself from needing external validation, and Olivia's mental and emotional toolkit when faced with scary challenges. Her story is incredible, from bed surfing and homelessness to global CEO. Let's get started, everyone. Welcome, Olivia Carr, to our podcast today. It is so wonderful to have you here. Likewise, I'm so grateful to be here. I'm very excited for this chat. So, yes. Me too. Me too. I listen to you on a podcast. I'm like, oh, you got you to gotta come on my podcast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> your story is it, just so fascinating and, and raw. And I think it's a really interesting if you, pivots, right, that you've had along your pathway. You know, you're on the road to Hollywood. Then you find out that you're pregnant and, and things dramatically change. So I'd love to kind of start there, your story, so the audience can get a bit of an understanding of, of who you are and where you've come from because I think the story is just incredible. I mean, it is. It's definitely, I'm at the point now where I can really enjoy my own story, which is um, a really beautiful moment to be able to sit in that space um, because I think now, you know, from that moment of finding out I was pregnant, it was 20, nearly 22 years ago because my daughter's turning 21 next week. So, um, but I was, I, would, I had studied acting since the young age of, gosh, like 10. And I was studying it professionally at the time when I found out I was pregnant. That same week, I found out I'd been accepted into the summer school of NIDA, which was my pathway, I guess, to get to Hollywood. And I, I say that because I genuinely believed, like, and even elements of me today think, you know, I, I was going to be the next Nicole Kidman. Like, I genuinely felt at that time it was true for me. Um, And it's all I ever thought about and focused on. So then to find out, you know, unexpectedly, um, I wasn't in a kind of stable relationship. I was living out of home, didn't have a job because I was, you know, focusing everything on acting. And to find out I was pregnant was, um, I mean, I look back now and I think, gosh, you know so much when you grow up, but I don't know what, you know, I never realised what trauma was at that age. I didn't realise what shock was. I didn't really understand denial. And I look back and I think, yep, I had all of those things. But interestingly, um, it was, like you say, one of those pivot moments or a real sliding door moment for me that in hindsight, I genuinely think that was my life path. That was a critical moment in, you know, whilst on the other side of that, initially it led to a very challenging kind of 10 to 14 year period, like the darkest period in my life in a lot of ways. It ultimately was the path that I believe I was supposed to be on and, and I've listened to your book, I've listened to your podcasts. I know that often, oh, I'm a believer too, that often the reason we have these moments in our life is the lesson that we then get to share and guide others. And I'm so blessed for that. I'm I'm really blessed for this journey and it hasn't been easy, but it's certainly been um, worthy, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, you've been you've been through a lot, you know, and I think you are just such a force of nature with with your backstory and and what you endured through that period of time of being a single mom and almost like on the I guess the steps of homelessness with your couch hopping and then and that must have been really really tough and you know since then you've I mean you've raised two exceptional children you're the founder and CEO of the retail empire Sh- Silk and you're empowering others to do the same I would love the the audience to understand the steps you you took to build confidence and and kind of back yourself yeah and, you know, any tips that our audience can utilise in reducing their own, I guess, the limiting beliefs or self-doubt and their own fear? Yeah. And I, it is. It's something I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, you know, I call it empowering women. It really is exactly that, backing yourself and just finding that space within you to trust yourself. And for me, I think, again, going back to what I said before, a lot of this happened organically. I learned through doing. It wasn't like I woke up at 19 and thought, yep, I've got my life sorted. I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to build two businesses and I'm, you know, going to work it all out. Um, I I literally, you know, it was sink or swim and I, I kept, you know, paddling as best I could. And I really did just work it out along the way. But I think one of the unique parts of my story is when something traumatic like becoming a young single mum at 19 and ending up in over $100,000 of debt in your kind of mid-20s, you know, moving 13 times in her first 10 years of life because we couldn't afford to stay, you know, a lot. And they're just like, that's a very condensed version of a very big, dark story. A lot of it was, I was asked recently, like, why didn't you just give up? Um, and it was an int- it's the first time someone's actually asked me that. Um, and, you know, truthfully at the time that never, that was never an option for me because I guess I was already at my lowest point that for me, I know that this is very cliche, but really the only option was up. Like there, I couldn't get any lower. Like I was facing prison at one point, um, for my unpaid debts with CityLink and, you know, I, I just, I didn't think there was a lower. So for me, I guess, luckily my mental health journey hadn't started at that point because there definitely is a lower. And I know you speak gracefully about that with a lot of dignity and honesty, Um, but that hadn't entered my life. And I'm very thankful for that because I think had mental health touched me, then it would have been a different, um, I guess, journey for me, or it would have been a, you know, another challenge that I would have had to face at that time. And thankfully it didn't because I don't think the support was there. People weren't talking about it. So, I mean, the tips that I used, um, gosh, I think I have to use them more now at this point in my life, which sounds really interesting because it's like, well, now you do have a business and now you do have a home and now your kids are a lot older. Why on earth would you need it now? And I think it's because as for me personally, as we grow and develop, our appetite for fear or risk kind of I feel reduces Um, You know, I was very much still a child when I felt pregnant. I really was. I was a teenager. And I, you know, when you're younger, everything feels exciting and kind of it's exhilarating when things are somewhat challenging because you have less to lose because I didn't really have anything to lose. You know, even the homes that I couldn't afford to stay in, they weren't my homes. You know, they weren't my mortgages. So even that, I look back and I think, no, I don't think I was ever really that bothered when I had to pack my things overnight and kind of escape these homes. Um, But as you get older and you have more, you know, the kids have school and you need to try and keep the stability around them and and that became really challenging for me um, because I just, that's not how I grew up. So things I I today still have to teach myself that, I mean, one thing I'm not a master of is fear. 
um, I know we might talk about this a little bit in in the next questions, is, you know, I really developed um, some severe anxiety um, from 2017, brought about through my lifestyle choices and how busy I was. But fear really took hold for me during COVID, um, social anxiety, and it is a daily practice for me now. So I think the tips that I would share with everyone, I'm still very much practicing and it is, you know, choosing again. Like I might wake up and, you know, this morning I felt my stomach rumble for this chat and I've studied and trained acting and it's like, well, how could you still get nervous for a very beautiful conversation? And I'm like, well, but now I'm in tune with it and I'm like, right, my gut's talking to me. Um, what do I need to do? I need to make myself, you know, a beautiful herbal tea. I need to get into the office earlier. I need to... You know, sometimes it might be shaking. I need to like like a dog. I need to shake my energy out or I yeah. need to learn to express. I think if I can say anything to women um, or men listening to this is that suppression or suppressing things or not allowing myself to feel things were ultimately what led to me cracking mentally um, with my mental health. And, I mean, I don't know if any of that kind of really helps. But, I mean, the backing yourself, I have always been a believer because um, I didn't have any other option. I was like, right, I have this little human that, that now is so dependent on me, whatever it takes. And that is ultimately now with this business, it's like to some degree without the pressure, um, you know, I'm all about removing that kind of external monetary pressure. Like I don't have big crazy goals anymore about, you know, we have to hit X amount because that just adds to what is already a challenging enough scenario just trying to get through life it's now well, what do I really need to survive and ultimately if we all ask ourselves that it's actually a lot less than we realize and what's important to me now is you know is the freedom that I have and how I choose to spend my time and so then when I go into situations and I'm like okay maybe I want to start a new business Remove all that pressure because often when we think about things like maybe starting a business or, or taking a new job, for me personally, a lot of the those thought processes or the pressure or where I scared myself out of it was what if I can't do it? What if I fail? What if I, you know, make no money? What if I this, that and the other? And it's like you talk yourself out of it and we never stop and say, well, you know what? What's the worst that could possibly happen? Like if it's not yes. life or death, what's the worst? And it's never going to be the worst. You know, and a lot of things don't work, but they're not, if they're not life or death, which in this case, we're not really talking about that. I think just have a go because actually, as you mature and get older, a lot of regret can start to come in. Um, and, you know, well, what if I had have tried that? Well, it's never too late either. That's my thing. It's, it's never too late. I'm, I am a big believer in just have a go. The worst that can happen is you learn something incredible um, and then you mm. share that with others, hopefully. I love that. I love that. And you're absolutely spot on around what actually drives success these days. And my husband and I talk about this a lot, actually, and, and maybe it's coming with age or maybe it's just coming with more material that we're constantly reading or maybe with the kind of things that light us up. But how we define success these days is that is the journey, right, mm-hmm. in terms of it's our connections. So it's our really strong friendships. It's our family life. It's uh, for us doing work that's impacting people, so doing something that's bigger than us. And then the last one is kind of charity work. And so it's kind of just reminding ourselves that we're here for a small amount of time. As you're saying, what's the worst that's going to happen if you try something? 
the worst that's going to happen is that you have to go back to what you're doing before you tried yeah. this new thing. And people say that to me all the time if they're fearful of jumping out and starting a new company. The worst that's going to happen if you've left your previous company on really good terms, which we should, right, we should never burn our bridge. If you leave on good terms, you can always go back. Mm. And that's the worst that's going to happen. You go back to your current role. The best that's going to happen is it could just wake up this whole internal flame inside of you. And and it kind of leads me into the next question, Olivia, around being okay with yourself and your own confidence because, and I loved listening to you around ridding yourself from negative external validation. You know, I think a lot of people look at social media for likes and comments and external validation on are they being successful or not. How do you how do you rid yourself from needing external validation like that? Yeah, um, and truthfully, that was not always the case. Um, I think you know, someone who was so into acting. One of the things that I'm really blessed about that changed in my life was that, not for everyone, but for a lot of us, acting or the whole, I guess you know, career path with that. It's very much about you all the time, and it's me, 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 and it's. You know, it can be a very selfish um, mindset when you're going down that path. And what I realized is that it took me a long time. Like that was my ego. I really did care when I was younger. You know, am I the best for this part? Do I look the best at this audition? Do I have the best ability? Am I going to the best whatever? Like it was a lot of me, me, me. And that took a lot of time to break. Like if I'm really honest with myself, like my ego was driving most of my decisions right up until probably 36, 37, and I'm 41 now. Um, And it wasn't until I started doing some kind of inner work or spiritual work or whatever you want to call it, but self, like really true internal self-development that I got to know my ego. And everybody has an ego and they're really important because they also keep us safe. But when your ego, and I I mean, ego to me is such a wonderful topic to talk about because Anything you put on social media, if we use as an, as an example, like I put, a, I just turned my hair dark and I put a post up on my very private one yesterday, but I owned it. I said, you know what? This is a shameless selfie. I am actually looking and seeking validation on this. And I, but now I just own it. And I'm like, rather than put the selfie up and pretend it's about a new top that you bought when really you want to see if people like your new hair. So now <laughs> I just like, guys, got a new hair color. What do we think? And I'd prefer you only told me if you like it. You know, and I make fun of it now because I'm like, and and everyone's like, well, you do still care. Of course I still care what people think, but not to the point where it will deter what I do in life. But I think what's empowering about that is even when I talk on lives or or do coaching, like what I just said, I'm honest with myself. You know, I share my story so openly because even that ultimately is probably helping me deal with past shame, which again comes back to my ego. But I own that and it's empowering. So it's kind of a different way. It's like, right, I'm going to care less about the day-to-day things, you know, what do people think? Oh, God, why is she sharing that story? Or why is she telling people she was in debt? Or why is she telling people she nearly lost her business? Those things I truthfully don't care what people think because ultimately I also lived that. And that that's where the courage is. I mean, people talk about this all the time. Don't take advice from people unless, you know, they're they're in there with you. It's very much true. It's like that part, that, that doesn't stick. People throw that at me all the time. Mm. But things like, you know, when I share so openly about my story, if somebody then 
maybe says something that, you know, they don't really know the whole story and I feel it's a judgment at me, you know, I still feel it. Um, mm. But it's that it's that old thing, you know, there's a hundred positive comments on something and then there's one negative and we always seem to focus on the negative. Yep. And I wrote a blog post about that exact thing. I think it's Brene Brown that talks about like the, the vulnerability piece. Just because you're vulnerable doesn't mean you don't still feel uh, criticism or it doesn't still come to you. I'm just learning more and more. Really, what that means is there's more work for me to do. Whatever that one person said, if that even triggered me a little bit, you know, listening to your podcast recently, I shared there was an element in, in your story where I felt quite triggered because I realized, you know what, I have not let go of my own shame around a situation that happened with my postnatal depression 21 years ago. It's nothing actually about your story. It was oh, there's still some work to do there for me. So I guess I try and use them as lessons. It's like, okay, well, if people have things to say about you, ultimately you need to decide first, am I going to take this in? Is it an error? Because people will just say things and I don't take everything in. Like it's not like oh, every comment that comes through. Generally it's people who know me and I'll know based on the feeling, oh, that person's just, because maybe they're jealous. Like there's a lot of jealousy traits and then that's on them. That's actually for them to do the work. But if something's truly got under really into me and I'm like, oh, I really am struggling to let that one go, I really get deep with that. I might meditate on it and I'm like, no, you know what? I don't necessarily see the truth in their comment, but there was something within that situation that I truthfully know within myself. Otherwise, it wouldn't have bothered me. So I guess I just use them as building blocks to be like, thank you for that one comment because actually that's the next piece of work I might like to do on myself. And then the others, I let them go because they don't fit. They're not the right Lego piece or they're, they're just. I love how dialed in you are. I think that's just so incredible. I love your hair too, by the way. Love <laughs> the- <laughs> and you know what? Even if people didn't love it, I'm not dying it back. So, like, that's the thing. It's like I want your feedback because, yes, of course, it would make me feel good. But I actually genuinely love it. So, yeah. It looks great. And I, I, I love this whole ego piece as well, the uh, our team member that just joined us recently, a shout out to Taylor Jackson, who's the most divine soul in this world. She was coming back from a, I think, Joe Dispenza conference over in Mexico, 24. And on the flight back, she's like, mum, I think it's time I outgrow my ego at 24. That's incredible. And isn't that amazing? I was just getting pissed at the pub at 24. Like yeah. <laughs> I wasn't outgrowing any ego back then. Yeah. And that's when she um, connected with EQ Minds to apply for the job. And because she wanted to do more around giving rather than getting as a 24-year-old. And I'm like, you are just such an incredible soul walking this planet. And I feel very lucky that we have you in the team. And I think that's a huge thing, you know, the the work that we do on ourselves. And and I'd love to finish up here, Olivia, because you've got so much valuable advice around, you know, we both suffer a, a mental illness. And I think it's really important that it's a journey, right? We always have to work on it. It doesn't just disappear. It's something that's going to be with us for the rest of our life and that's okay. Uh, but I'd love to know what you do. You know, you mentioned meditation and what else is there in your mental and emotional toolkit when you're, whether you're faced with scary challenges or just your day-to-day life, like what do you do that are kind of non-negotiables in your life to make sure that you're performing at your best and and living a, you know, a calm, content life as best as you can. Yeah. And I love this question because for me, I really kind of, I've reflected on this a lot and my mental health, I think it's always been there, but I wasn't aware of it until, as I say, 2017, when I had a real 
kind of break down through work and stepped away from the business for three months and then developed anxiety, panic attacks, blah, blah, blah. And it's just been a continuous learning journey for me with mental health. And then COVID just oh, really said, right, we're going to see how much you've learned and we're going to test you. Um, and that was the real testing ground for me. And it very much still is. But I looked at this question and I was like, right, where was I in 2017 when I first went to the doctors and said, hey, I think I had a heart attack, but I didn't die. And they said, well, that's a panic attack. And they went and told me, you know, go and meditate and, you know, which I was like, meditate anyway. But I did. I listened to the, listened to, and it's interesting. I think you got similar feedback at one point in your life. Now, I wasn't um, maybe potentially in the same headspace that, or on the mental journey as you were at that time. Um, But that was the feedback that came to me. And I did take it on board, but that was all I had in my kind of suitcase at that time. I was like, I carry this bag backpack. Let's go. I carried every day with me. And I was like, right, I have meditation. So I obsessed on meditating. And then what I've found, and I don't know if this is similar for you, that we have these amazing tools, but we can also either outgrow them or they lose their they lose their power. So over the journey now, which has been what nearly five years, my backpack is full of the most incredible tools. I mean, one of the most recent tools is organic eating. Um, and you think, wow, mental health and organic food, what? And and I know you know a lot about gut health. That wasn't there for me. And if someone said to me in 2017, just go and eat organic food, and I'd be like, well, one, that's just expensive. And two, no, I love eating whatever. Um, but that's the newest tool in my thing. Um, and I think that's the the thing. I mean, there's so many. There's, um, you know, goal setting, no alcohol, no caffeine, um, daily walks along the beach, me time removing any judgment about what time I decide to get into the work and and what time I decide to leave to work, not having to explain myself to people. Um, Speaking openly about actually having mental health is probably one of the strongest resilient tools in my backpack because the minute I chose to speak publicly, again, putting my ego or shutting it down a little bit and just getting vulnerable, I felt the power come back to me um, and it didn't no longer belong to my kind of anxiety. And I was somewhat, I mean, I don't want to say in control because control is one of the things that I, I struggle with, which is part of my mental health, but it's about, about regaining my power. And I just think my message to others that are going through this journey, if you're at the very beginning, put your backpack on and just start filling it with things that really feel good to you. Daily pleasures, your most favorite refined sugar-free chocolate right? Loco love for me, big shout out. Like it's, it's a daily pleasure. It's in my backpack. Some days there's a lot in there and some days I'm like, right, I've got to take them out because they're a bit of a crutch now. Um, but just develop a backpack. And I think I will finish on saying when I first discovered I had a mental health illness or I had a mental illness, one, I didn't want anyone to know. Two, I was ashamed. And three, I would never have said I would want to wear it because I'd be like, I can beat this. And actually that's the wrong mindset because that will just make it, you'll feel worse about yourself, you'll beat yourself up. Wear it with pride. Wear this beautiful shiny backpack. Be proud of it and share its contents with others. Um, I love that. You are such a diamond of a human being. I feel so grateful how the universe has collided our two worlds together. Where can people find you? I, I want our audience to get across exactly what Olivia Carr is doing. So where should we send them to? Yeah, so maybe my Instagram, I share a lot of free content. So it's I am Olivia Carr. Um, I do a lot of what I call real talks. So I just jump on and I share very much more of the, the real things happening in my life as opposed to the shiny Instagram things. And I think that's where people get the most um, empowerment from. So find me over there. Come and say hi. 
Fantastic. We'll add that to the show notes. Olivia, you're such a dream. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And thank you for sharing your story. It's honestly, it's inspired me and it is empowering for so many. So it's not easy and and you've done it, like I said before, with so much dignity and grace and it's, it's honestly beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, lovely. Have a beautiful day, everyone, and we'll see you again in a few weeks from now. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast and the information contained therein is made available for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide medical advice. This information should not be used as a substitute for competent medical advice from a licensed specialist, doctor or psychologist. Thank you.